0: Well, a very happy new year to you all, and may the Lord bless you all as we start a new day, a new month, and a new year. 2017 was a very busy year for us, and by the grace of God I was able to finish my last book from the New Testament, being Philemon, and it's taken me around seven years to record every book in the New Testament, and therefore my goal for 2018 will be to read the entire Old Testament, and not just read it, but study it, and not just study it, but record it. And please join me this coming Sunday when I start probably a 10 or 20-week study looking at the Ten Commandments. I have spent the last two to three weeks reading the first five books of the Bible, making a lot of notes in preparation for my study of the Old Testament. Of course, I have read the Old Testament many times through, But I haven't studied the Old Testament until maybe two or three weeks ago. And I've discovered some very fascinating uh, subjects and themes. So if you want to get a blessing, join us every Sunday morning, 11am UK time. And you can listen in live as we work through the first five books of the Bible. But more specifically for this coming Sunday, Exodus chapter 20. And I'll put a link in the description box to this video to allow those that want to join us uh, to do so my goal for this year will be to spend the rest of this year quite possibly and quite likely through the old testament reading like i say and studying it and preaching it and therefore this new year's day video and it's very cold it's zero degree celsius uh, will be the last video probably this year uh, looking at the new testament I think it's fair to say I've probably exhausted the New Testaments over the last seven or eight years. Like I say, I began back in 2010 looking at, I think it was Matthew or John. In fact, I think it was a general overview of Revelation, and then I went to Matthew, John, and so, so forth. So it is time for me to start working my way through the Old Testaments and please keep me in prayer. But for today, now the sun's coming out, praise the Lord. <laughs> I want to look at Matthew's Gospel because as somebody who has been saved for 15, make that 16 years now and as somebody who has a teaching ministry and as somebody who does apologetical work I know that unfortunately there are many people in the church that don't believe in once saved, always saved they don't believe in eternal security And it does grieve me. It grieves me to hear a good number of people attacking once saved, always saved. I don't know if such people are saved or unsaved. I like to give people the benefits of the doubt. And I like to say this, that what probably has taken place in such a person's life is they've come to the Lord Jesus Christ, they've believed on him, they've got born again, and Many times we have what's called a, a uh, appalling of ignorance, like the Lord would say, "The blind follow the blind, uh, the, the blind follow the blind, and they both fall into the ditch." And I think with a good number of preachers, that's just what is happening. You've got the blind following the blind, and unfortunately, they fall into a theological ditch. When it comes to salvation, always think of it this way: that in the Scripture, the Church, the disciples, the children of god are spoken of as being sheep and sheep are very docile and if you think of a sheep getting lost say from a place such as my open air pulpit and yes there are sheep not too far away from where i'm currently standing when sheep start to go astray or when a lamb a young lamb a lamb starts to stray you know that it's down to the shepherd to come and search and to rescue his sheep the word of God says that Jesus Christ is our good shepherd and therefore as our good shepherd it's a saviour it's a saviour's responsibility to save the sheep and to keep the sheep saved and I'll discuss that more as we work through the gospel of Matthew so let's begin if we may on this very beautiful crisp New Year's Day from Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 Look at verse 21, please. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Nearly every verse in the word of God has what we call a double application. Matthew's gospel, strictly speaking, is for the Jews. And therefore when you, when you hear about the Kingdom of Heaven, or the Kingdom of God, sometimes they are used interchangeably, other times they are not. Without spending too much time discussing the Kingdom of Heaven and the Kingdom of God, allow me to say this, that if you think of the Kingdom of Heaven in reference to Jesus Christ on a literal throne, Matthew 25, ruling and reigning, over the new earth, and you understand what the kingdom of heaven is all about. If you think of the kingdom of God, in reference to our salvation, and I was able to look at Isaiah chapter 9 last Sunday, dealing with the subject of Christmas, you know that the Son of God has an everlasting kingdom, a government which will never end. So for the here and now, his government, his kingdom, is spiritual feeding into the kingdom of God but when he comes back Matthew 25 it will be the kingdom of heaven being a literal kingdom and I'll discuss that more if I don't get blown away now the wind is picking up but here Matthew seven twenty-one, Jesus Christ is speaking to the Jews under the law and he wants to awaken them he wants to shake them he wants to on the one hand get the Jews to believe on him he was the Messiah, and on the other hand, he wants to reinforce his Jewish disciples' faith in him. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. In the context, Matthew 25, uh, in preparation for the thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also in reference to the great white throne judgments. But he that doeth, Will of my Father which is in heaven. So, when you read this particular verse, or if you hear people preach from this particular uh, piece of scripture, they like to say this well, you have to do something in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they run over to James chapter 2, which says, Faith without works is dead. And they totally fail to explain that James is speaking about a person's faith in the sight of his fellow man which is what James 2 is all about. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 and 10 speaks about being saved unto good works. Whereas when Paul picks up the theme of a person's salvation, like Romans 3, Romans 4, he's speaking about justification in the sight of God. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, religious people, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Thousand year reign and also partly picturing the Great White Throne Judgment, Revelation chapter 20. But he that doeth, he that is done, the will of my Father which is in heaven. And if you were to go to John chapter 6, the will of God, the work of God, is quite simply to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. It's like this. Christmas has just been and gone. And you think of the wealthy people around the world, wealthy men, wealthy women. It could be any particular person, and you want to buy that person a gift for Christmas. And you ask yourself this, what can I possibly give person A or person B? They've got so much already, and when it comes to your salvation, or before you get saved, you can't give God anything. He has everything. He owns the title deeds to this world. But what you can do is give him your heart and your body and your life after you are saved. 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Lord, We've been very religious, we were Charismatics, we were Holiness Preachers, we were Pentecostals, we went around healing people, or so we believed, we did a lot of wonderful works, or so we believed, everything we did, like prophesying in your name, we did so because we were apostolic, we were the real deal, we would take on Christians that were trusting. In the blood of Christ alone we would take on those that preached faith in the death burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and here he says how many will say to him in that day and again in the context Matthew 25 in preparation to the thousand-year reign rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on the new earth but also in reference to the great white throne judgment and he says many not some but many If I was to say this to you, and now it's starting to sleet again. If I was to say this to you, that in the UK, many people don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a few, not some, but many, to put my gloves on. If I was to say to you that many people are not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know perfectly well that I'm not speaking about a few, I'm speaking about many, like a lot of people. Yes, the last census that took place in this country, I think it was 2010, 2011, uh, came back and uh, we read and we heard about the statistic how 56% of Britons are Christians. And yet, if you drill in to that figure of 57%, a good number of those people don't believe in the virgin birth, don't believe in the death burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't believe in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and lo and behold it's getting somewhat stormy now. This is always the problem for me when I come up to the open-air pulpit in the middle of winter to do uh, this type of a thing, but I'm here now and As Paul would say, we have to finish the race which the Lord has set before us. So 21, 22. Jesus Christ is speaking very clearly concerning those that will one day stand in his presence and to their awful shock... (laughs) And I'm smiling, not because of this awful passage, but I'm smiling because of this awful weather. To their awful shock... (laughs) he's not going to commend them he's going to condemn them 23 and then will I profess unto them I never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity I never knew you not I once knew you and you got into trouble or you were somewhat foolish like me to come up to the open air pulpit on New Year's Day, an attempt to do the first video of the year, but I never knew you, in the sense that you were never saved to begin with. And this is the awful truth when it comes to people that stray into particular groups, particular sects, particular situations, adopt a particular belief like you can lose your salvation or if you don't live it, you lose it, or less trust in a feeling or an experience. And such people, according to my piece of scripture, were never saved to begin with. I never knew you like you were never saved to begin with. Depart from me. What an awful thing to have to hear from the meek and mild man from Galilee. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's the key part of this piece of scripture. Ye that work iniquity. It's like this. We say, we are off to work now. Or we say, I will be back tonight after work. And when you say that, you know perfectly well what is meant. I'm off to work. I will work perpetually. You don't say, I'm off to work and I'll see you in an hour's time. You say, I'm off to work and I'll see you tonight or whenever my shift finishes. Work is a perpetual thing. And here, when Jesus says, ye that work iniquity, he's saying those that continue, those that perpetually, are working to do iniquity. Or are perpetual people practising iniquity. Clearly in reference to somebody who is not saved. So, 21, 22, 23, double application. And so you couldn't possibly miss it, John chapter 6 tells you what the will of the Father is, is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think most people can appreciate that. I think most people can accept that. And yet, unfortunately, for a good number of people, The cross of Christ is an offence. They hate the idea of someone somewhere like yours truly reaching out to the Saviour like a beggar, believing on the Saviour like a beggar, and being saved by the Saviour. They don't like that. The Catholics detest it. They say, no, you have to go through Holy Mother Church. You have to be uh, confirmed or christened, confirmed. You have to have your first communion, you have to go through the church system, you have to be a good Catholic, quote-unquote, and you have to receive the last rites before you die. And even all of that doesn't guarantee you go straight to heaven. Most Catholics, if they are honest Catholics, will teach that when you die, even in a state of grace, you have to go through purgatory. It's very rare to meet an honest Catholic that will explain to you that... Going straight to heaven is practically impossible. They want you to go via purgatory. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Look at 31, please. All manner... Excuse me. Wherefore I say unto you... Excuse me. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. For the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall never be forgiven or should not be forgiven unto men excuse me no matter how many times i read these verses uh when you do a video such as this you if you're not careful can misread one more time 31 wherefore i say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men mankind but the blasphemy against the holy ghost shall not be forgiven unto men so if you speak to charismatics or pentecostals most kick against uh, faith in christ alone or once saved always saved eternal security and most hold to speaking in tongues most hold to the apostolic sign gifts going back to chapter 7 21 to 23 you've got three uh statements that come out of the mouths so of such people wonderful works casting out devils and prophesying in your name and most charismatics most pentecostals believe they can or they still enjoy the gifts of the holy ghost and they believe they can go around casting out devils raising the dead i mean just turning the world upside down and you ask yourself this if they were doing that if that was taking place wouldn't we know about it wouldn't it be breaking news I mean, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I am on Instagram, I got my ear to the ground, I have some idea as to what's going on in the church today, why uh, Why don't I hear about it? In the UK we have the National Health Service, the NHS, and I can tell you this, that it's overworked and it's underfunded, and the NHS has been at breaking point or so we are led to believe via the media for maybe 10, 15 years. You've got doctors working 100 hours a week. You've got nurses doing double shifts. A lot of sick people in this country. And yes, primarily due to sin, of course. But here's the thing. If you are a British Christian, if you are charismatic or Pentecostal, if you believe that the Jewish gifts, apostolic gifts, are still for today. Then can i ask you this why are you not busy at your local hospital going around the wards putting your hands on people healing people or how about raising the dead it never happens and therefore when you speak against such people they like to go to this piece of scripture to respond to retaliate wherefore i say unto you all manner of sin like your past like your present, like your future sin, and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Blasphemy is found in the scripture, and there are different definitions for blasphemy. For example, people like to say OMG. Have you heard that? So I'm sure you have. OMG. Or they like to say G whiz. Have you heard that? Or they like to say oh my gosh. Have you heard that? Those are all acronyms for oh my god and i've observed people over the years that are online and even that i've met in the flesh that will say such things or another awful uh term which i hate to use but just for the record jeepers creepers have you ever heard that one it's not used so much now but that's an awful acronym for jesus christ and I'll be speaking about blasphemy in more detail when I get uh, to the Ten Commandments. But here Jesus Christ wants to make the claim that, as the Saviour of the world, as the Good Shepherd, he wants to save people. Why he bothers with people like myself, and people like you, and rascals in general, is beyond me. But I'm very glad he has done, and he continues to save people. Wherefore I say unto you, excuse me, all men of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And therefore, if you pull up charismatics, if you pull up Pentecostals, if you pull up holiness people, or if you pull up people that speak in tongues on the streets, in fact a few days ago I came across a video online of an American street preacher speaking in tongues would you believe on the street and people thought he was insane if you challenge such people they don't like it and they retaliate they uh, hit back at you and they say you are blaspheming the Holy Ghost incorrect of course look at 32 and whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man it shall be forgiven him but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world neither in the world to come and such people just stop there and they put that on you and they say you blaspheme the Holy Ghost you can't be saved an absolutely uh, despicable statement to make very much asegesis not exegesis, and many times they're too lazy to take you to Mark chapter 3 and go to Mark chapter 3 to explain it to you. Mark chapter 3, look at 28. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith they shall blaspheme. OMG, and all those other terrible terms I just gave you. But he that shall blaspheme, Against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Why? Because they said he hath an unclean spirit. I don't know of many people or any people today, the whole to once saved, always saved, that would suggest for five seconds that our blessed Saviour was somehow possessed by an unclean spirit. I know the Pharisees would uh, make such a statement and go to Matthew 23, but when it comes to saved people, when it comes to those of us which love the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't think of any that would have the audacity, the stupidity to say that Jesus Christ was somehow possessed by an unclean spirit, that his miracles, that his preaching, that everything that he did was as a result of the devil but the pharisees the sadducees the religious elite would make such a claim such a claim i'll tell you something else very quickly and go to matthew 23 if you haven't already i was watching some videos on uh, youtube last week and i came across a well-known islamist at speaker's corner and I came across a well-known Jew at Speaker's Corner, both British. And I watched these two gentlemen, and I've had a run-in with one of those two gentlemen last year, when we were at Speaker's Corner. And I watched these two gentlemen, both experts in their field, and I thought this, I thought, how interesting. You've got the Muslim, a convert from Christianity to Islam, an ex-Christian, which of course doesn't appear in the Word of God, it says in 1 John, they went out from us. They weren't of us. Had they been of us, they, would have, they wouldn't have gone out from us. But they went out from us because they weren't any of us. And I watched this, this uh, British chap, a convert, like I say, from Christianity to Islam, teaming up with this Jewish man, Orthodox Jew. And they are very chummy, very tight. And I thought, this is how it's going to play out when the Antichrist arrives. He's got the Muslims in his pocket, he's got the Jews in his pocket, he's got the apostate Christians in his pocket, and I watched these two chaps. The best of friends, best of friends. I thought fascinating. But those people, those people would suggest that our blessed Saviour was filled with unclean spirits, and as a result can never be redeemed and yet saying that i will say this strictly speaking the blasphemy of the holy ghost was was probably only relevant to those that saw jesus christ in the flesh i mean to meet the lord jesus christ to watch him preach to enjoy what he would do and to monitor him very closely and carefully and then turn around and say Unclean spirit Those are the sort of people That cannot be redeemed And yet unfortunately I go back to my earlier statement It could just be that Like that Muslim guy In Speaker's Corner And that Jewish guy In Speaker's Corner Indirectly They have blasphemed the Holy Ghost But I won't be dogmatic about that Matthew 23 Matthew 23 Look at 27 please Woe unto you Scribes and Pharisees Hypocrites for ye are like unto whitest sepulchres, which indeed appear, appear, indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones, and of all uncleanness. One of the problems and the realities for those of us which are visual people, and I am a visual person, is that we observe people, and we make judgments many times prematurely. And I've been guilty of this myself. I have observed somebody, and made a judgement based on that person's appearance, and have later been proven to be wrong. Put my hands up, I'm guilty Lord, forgive me. (sighs) Going back to James chapter 2, going back to Romans 3 and 4, or put it this way, the Bible says how God looks on the heart, but man looks on the outward appearance, that's so true. We are visual people. We observe what goes on all around us. We make judgments, and many times we are wrong. Woe well, unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, the religious fathers of his day. For ye are like unto whitest sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful, outward, very upright, very decent. PhDs, THDs, always praying, always fasting. You've been to Oxbridge, as we say, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Now, he's aiming this at the scholars and the religious fathers of his day. And I think most people today that are in organized religion would fall into the same category and condemnation from Christ. 28, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity, there's our word again, iniquity, ye that work iniquity, ye that do iniquity every day, in the UK the average worker works 50 hours a week at his or her job, you say I'm off to work i'll be back tonight you know when that person says i'm off to work it's what they do perpetually and therefore when somebody is a perpetual uh sinner or is practicing iniquity in a perpetual sense you are dealing with somebody who isn't saved outwardly appear righteous unto men but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity because you're not saved your heart is dead. You are a walking corpse. Go to chapter twenty-four. Very cold, very windy here. And like I say, uh, once I arrive at my open-air pulpits, I have to push on. <coughs> I appreciate that for, <coughs> excuse me, a good number of people. They don't like to uh, pass judgments concerning what goes on in organised religion. I understand that, and I like to, as I say, give people the benefits of the doubt. I like to say, well, this person could be saved, or that person may be saved, but they've drifted into a theological system. And as a result, problems are going to occur. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. That's that's good news. But I think what we're reading about this morning, from a very windy and very cold open-air pulpit, (coughs) is about people that were never saved, to begin with, are not going to be saved, and yet are going to play this religious game. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Look at 45, please. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods, but, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow-servants, and eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Gnashing of teeth. So, again, double application. In the context Matthew 24 is in preparation for the Lord's return. It says in Matthew 24 that the Lord will send his angels and they will gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. And you say why would that be the case? Well because the king is about to return and therefore he wants his elect, those that were saved during the tribulation, those that survived the tribulation, to go up to Jerusalem and meet him some of our post-tribulation brethren like to quote that piece of scripture from matthew 24 and they say this they say that he will rapture at the end of the tribulation the church take him to heaven for the marriage supper of the lamb and then come back to earth for the thousand year reign of the lord jesus christ i don't accept that when it speaks about his angels being dispatched to gather his elect from the four corners of the earth it's simply speaking about the thousand year reign of christ matthew 25 Go down to earth, get hold of my church, those that were saved, Jew and Gentile, during the tribulation, those that weren't destroyed by the Antichrist during the tribulation, and bring them up to Jerusalem, because I'm going to rule and reign for a thousand years. So, two parts to Matthew 24. You've got the eschatological part, in reference to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and just for the record, Matthew 24 And Matthew 25 has no reference to the body of Christ today. The body of Christ today was revealed to the Apostle Paul, strictly speaking. Matthew 24, Matthew 25 is in reference to Israel. And the 144,000 are going to be Jewish male virgins that preach throughout the tribulation, get many people saved. And like I say, those that get saved in the tribulation, those that are not put to death by the Antichrist during the tribulation are waiting on the earth for the Lord to return. It speaks about many people seeing him and he returns and a good number weeping and wailing not particularly happy to see his return but there will be some a good number that are going to be safe and waiting for our Blessed Saviour to return. But here you got like many parts of scripture, two aspects to it. You've got a faithful servant, 25, you've got a blessed servant, 46, and you've got an evil servant, verse 48, 49, 50, 51. Clearly, this evil servant, 48, 49, 50 to 51, was never saved to begin with. You've got the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares, the saved and the unsaved I wish people could understand that so from the rain to the sleet to the rain again and the wind is still getting somewhat uh, stronger so allow me to push on and like I always say if I start something by the grace of God I will always aim to finish Matthew 25 verse 1 please then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto 10 virgins which took their lamps, and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, and took no, no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said unto the wise give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out but the wise answered saying not so lest there be not enough for us and you but go ye rather and buy for yourself so you know straight away that number one you can't buy salvation number two uh, salvation is a free gift ephesians 2 8 9 to 10 and therefore you are left with really one of two options. Either you take the Catholic view, that a person is saved by uh, going through the church system, like uh, being christened, confirmation, going to mass, so and so forth, and now the wind is really picking up. Uh, Staying in a state of grace, like I say, enjoying indulgences, allow me to hold the tripod (laughs) if I may, being a good old catholic not doing the big sins and if you do the small sins and if you confess the small sins you're okay you're safe go to acts chapter 8 an interesting cross reference please excuse the sniffing acts 8 18 when simon saw that through laying on of the apostles hands the holy ghost was given he offered them money saying give me also this power that on whomsoever i lay hands he may receive the holy ghost but peter said unto him thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of god may be purchased with money go back to matthew 25 so simon the sorcerer it says he believed and he saw the apostles doing their works he saw people being healed going back to those of us which question the charismatics and they say how dare you say that so We say it's the placebo effect, or we say it's learned behaviour, and they say you've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. They say you've lost your salvation. Absolutely ridiculous. And we talk about a Mickey Mouse asegesis. And here Simon sees Peter and co casting out devils, making a real difference to people's lives, and he thinks to himself this, I want some of that. He's carnal. But with Catholics they teach not only a faith and works package, but they say this, that once you become a good Catholic, quote-unquote, to really be the best type of Catholic, you have to do good works, and they call such indulgences, and also they say that when a Catholic dies, it's quite likely that uh, he or she will go to purgatory, and therefore it's necessary for faithful Catholics that are still on the earth to have masses said for them to pay for their loved ones to get out of purgatory. Of course, purgatory doesn't exist. It's a Catholic hoax. A bit like evolution. Look at verse uh, 10, please. And they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. After came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us very reminiscent to chapter 7 21 to 23 lord lord we've done this we've done that and he says i never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity same sort of language here lord lord open unto us lord we thought we were your church we thought we were in good standing with you we don't really understand lord why It's going the way that it's currently going with us. We were hoping that when you returned, we would be ready for you. We were good Catholics. We were good Protestants. We were good Charismatics. We were good uh, Pentecostals. We would tithe, we would do this, we would do that. It's the same kind of thing. These people, for reasons which just grieve me and uh, continue to uh, dismay me, seem to completely miss. Faith in Christ alone. Verse 12 please. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So in the context, Matthew 24, Matthew 25, strictly speaking, is for Israel, is for tribulation saints. You won't find the Apostle Paul ever called Jesus Christ the Son of Man. He'll call him the Son of God, never the Son of Man. The term Son of Man, uh, strictly speaking, is in reference to the Kingdom of Heaven, is in reference to Israel. Matthew 24, Matthew 25 is aimed at the Jews. That will get saved in the Tribulation, and there'll be Gentiles, of course, that get saved. But when it comes to people today, the church is not found in Matthew 24 or 25. What you can get from uh, 24 and 25 is a warning and we call such a spiritual warning going back to the Bible having at least two applications sometimes three and that warning is given to the church to be on guard to be ready for the imminent return of the Lord and for those of us which are saved very much in reference to the rapture of the church Uh, jump down please to 24 then he which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, and where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went, and hid thy talent in the earth low. There thou hast that is thine. Weed and tares, sheep and goats. And here this servant is clearly treating the Lord with contempt. He has a very low view of the Lord, and here the Lord, of course, is Jesus Christ, 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed, thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with you three, it's a bit like some of these uh, court cases, if you've watched any of these court cases, or if you followed. Uh, crime stories over the years, and I have, what happens is somebody is arrested, taken to a local police station, interviewed under caution, they record the interview, sometimes, like in America and uh, Australia, they will film the interview, now it's getting really windy, (laughs) but I've begun, so I must finish, and when the court case comes around, some several months later, they will play the video of the interview and the court can see what the uh, perpetrator was telling the police under caution and it's really damning because many times these uh, criminals will spend months on remand waiting for their day in court. They've got defence barristers as we call them in the UK overseas they call them uh, lawyers and those lawyers, those barristers will say to their clients plead not guilty or say this, say that, bias time. It's not your job to prove your innocence, it's the court's job to prove your guilt. And some of these criminals are able to hire very expensive and very slick and smooth uh, lawyers, like people like uh, O.J. Simpson, and are able to beat the rap, like they say. And here, the Lord is playing back what this man has really said in his heart. 27 again, Thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchanges, and then then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. I wanted you to be faithful. Go to uh, chapter 12. I didn't want you just to sit back and uh, brag about uh, being saved just by believing on me. I wanted you to be busy. I wanted you to give out tracts. I wanted you to open your mouth. 12.36, Jesus speaking again. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. It says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. It says if you confess Christ before men, he will confess you before his Father and his angels. Go back to Matthew uh, 25. So you've got a picture here of Jesus Christ having a one-on-one with this particular person, quite likely at the great white throne judgments, and yet going back to what I said a few minutes ago, also partly in reference to the uh, imminent thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you're saved or unsaved, you will be judged. You can't get around it. 28. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. You will wish you were never born. You will wish that you were never conceived. You will wish that you never lived to see life. And it's going to be just dreadful, just damning. In fact, I think I might call this message the damned. People will just be completely distraught in despair, weeping and wailing. Why was I ever born? A bit like Job. I can't believe it's going this way. I can't believe I was so foolish. I can't believe I was so stupid. I was living for the here and now. I didn't really believe in Jesus Christ. I believed in the principles of Jesus Christ. I believed in the philosophy of Jesus Christ. I like the concept of Jesus Christ but I was never born again per se. I didn't really know him going back to people that blaspheme God and it does puzzle me when I watch some of these Christian TV people having guests on their shows and some of their guests are unsaved in fact most of their guests are unsaved and I have watched these Christian uh, TV personalities over the years and their guests come on the show and they say OMG And the guests, excuse me, the uh, the interviewer, many times a Christian, doesn't say a word. Just sits there as if it's no big deal. And I've watched some of these Christian interviewers also blaspheme, and you think, what's going on here? Are you really saved? The Word of God says to examine yourself. Jump down to 30. And cast you, the unprofitable servant, into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Cast ye the unprofitable servants into outer darkness, second death, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Clearly, clearly, such a person was never saved to begin with. Any good parents will take their child, give that child a whipping, not until they bleed, but you understand what I mean, discipline such a child to bring them back into... A closer walk or a closer relationship with themselves they won't uh just throw their kids to the ground give them a good kicking or just write them off i know it happens sometimes i remember a few years ago i knew a couple a very religious couple they had a couple of kids and every christmas i used to get an email from them saying merry christmas etc etc and i noticed for a few years it was signed the mum and the dad the son and the daughter and i thought it's interesting quite a close family praise the lord for that pretty rare today and maybe two or three years down the line or a couple of years later i got an email from the father say merry christmas and he signed it himself his wife and his son and the daughter had disappeared and the following year it was the same again and i sent him an email saying uh, bless you brother hope everything is going well for you and the kids And he said, yes, my wife and my son are doing very well, praise the Lord. Hope you are well too, James. I thought, okay, it wasn't my place to pry. Something had obviously happened and he had disowned his daughter. But, of course, if we we were to follow such uh, an example, then what a mess we'd get ourselves into. Going back to the Old Testament, going back to how Solomon was with his son, how David was with his son. And I'll discuss this a lot further when I get to the Ten Commandments. And again, please join me this coming Sunday, 11 a.m. UK time, when I delve into the Ten Commandments. Still in chapter 25, look at verse 41. Please. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was and hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty. And he gave me no drink. I was a stranger. And he took me not in naked. And he clothed me not sick and in prison. And he visited me not. So you've got five failures listed here. And again, please excuse the sniffing. It's about one degree at the moment. It went from zero degree when I first got up here. Gone up slightly, I can see. And it's gone down again to about zero degrees Celsius. With the wind chill, it's about minus one. or It feels like minus one. But here you've got five failures, and you could suggest this. You could suggest that not only is this a picture of somebody who was never saved to begin with, but you've got five aspects which are being held up against them. You see, when an unsaved person dies, they not only pay for their sins of unbelief, which is what sends a person to hell in the first place, but when they arrive in hell, they will be judged like point 0.1, point 0.2, point 0.3, point 0.4, point 0.5. And here you've got five failures. Which in a way feeds back to 72123. We prophesied in your name, we casted out, we cast out devils in your name, and we prophesied in your name. Prophecy, tongues, oh, and wonderful works. So we cast out devils, we prophesied in your name, and we did many wonderful works. And the Lord says, Big deal. You didn't believe on me? You didn't believe in me. You didn't really know me, did you? You didn't walk with me. Going back to so many people today that profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ and yet they don't know him at all. 44. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, or a thirst, or a strange, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? You will have your time with the Lord. Don't worry if you are unsaved. And here you got people having a conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ, not the sort of conversation that I would wish for my worst enemy. In fact, there was a guy in the UK some years ago called uh, Tony Ben, a very well-known socialist atheist. And I met Tony Ben long before I was saved, one of the great speakers in the UK. And before he died, he made a very foolish statement. And he said this, he said, uh, I've written several books, and he had done, and I've counted all of my words that i have put into my books over the years and i think he says something on the lines of it comes to all, all the number of words in my books come to around a million and he said out of those out of those uh, million words god isn't mentioned once he was very proud of that jesus isn't mentioned once christ isn't mentioned once very proud of that and i thought what a statement to make one of the great brains from the 1940s <clears throat> going through to the 1990s. And like so many Brits, was unsaved and was bragging about it. And when he arrives in eternity, Mr. Tony Benn, he'll meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And that boastful and uh, blasphemous uh, and bashful statement about never mentioning the Lord one time, in a million words, will come back to haunt him. So don't worry if you're one of those smug, arrogant atheists and you say, well, I'm going to have my say when I meet the Lord. Yes, you will have your say, but it won't go the way you think it will go. Then should he answer them saying, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And also, this can be partly in reference to how a Jew is treated during the tribulation. Uh, for those of us which are pre-millennial, it's so important that we are sympathetic towards Israel. We don't overlook Israel, or we don't overlook the behaviour or the unbelief of Jews. In fact, let me say this. I mentioned those two gentlemen at Speaker's Corner, one a Muslim, one a Jew. The Jewish chap, in another segment that I watched, was speaking to a group of people, and he said this. He said, I believe that... Uh, Muslims and Jews have more in common than Christians, and I believe, and he's pointing to his Muslim friend, that our view of Jesus, and they call him Esau, is more correct. Now, the Muslims believe this if you didn't know that in the Quran, Jesus Christ didn't actually die on the cross, it says that Allah gave the impression that He died on the cross to deceive those that were present, and it says that Jesus Christ didn't die, somebody died in his place, being Judas. And I thought, another interesting statement from an honest Jew, he's saying not only do we not believe in Jesus, which of course we all know, uh, along with the Muslims, but on top of that, the Jews and the Muslims are united in their joint belief that Jesus Christ wasn't anything special, and you could go on, um, I could go on about it, to what the Talmud says, but no us gets us too off track here but the point is this there is unity and yet in spite of that in spite of the hostility the blasphemy the rejection of the lord jesus christ especially from the jews paul told you very clearly in romans that the fathers are beloved for their father's sake so we don't want to be anti uh, anti-semitic we want to be uh, sympathetic and uh, Understanded, understandable or understanding when it comes to the Jews. They are blinded according to 2 Corinthians 4:4 by the devil himself. And yet, in spite of that, we need to witness to them. 26, make that 46, and I'll close. 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment by the righteous, into life eternal. So sheep saved, goats lost. Tears, lost, wheat, saved, born again, not born again. And this crowd from 24 and 25, going back to chapter 7, going back to chapter uh, 13, make that chapter 12, uh, chapter 24, 25, all had one thing in common. They all were ungrateful, unregenerated, unbelievers, and they were all unsaved whatever you do don't die without the Lord Jesus Christ get under the blood trust in him believe on him no one will ever love you as much as he does don't put off tomorrow what you must do today and uh, once you do get saved stay as close to the Savior as you possibly can and from a very bitterly cold, wet, sleety, snowing, open-air pulpit, may I once again wish you every blessing for 2018, whatever went wrong, if you failed here or there, if something didn't quite uh, go the way you wanted it to go, forget about it, forget about it, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, just put it behind you and I uh, look forward to 2018 I'll say this and I and I will sign out once and for all that for the rest of this year I will like I say not only be reading and studying the old testament and of course I have studied the old testament don't get me wrong I have studied it many times over the years but this is the first time I've done a really in-depth study like a verse by verse study and uh, probably next week or the week after I will return Lord willing, uh, to the pulpits and get back to Genesis. I've got, I think, 14 chapters left from Genesis to do. So I hope this has been a blessing. I hope this has been a help to those which are perhaps questioning their authority, or their uh, salvation, I should say, not authority. Uh, Once you're born again, you have authority to preach the gospel and uh, also to preach against heresy and heretics. But I hope that these verses are of some help, are of some comfort to those which are perhaps weak, are being tossed to and fro. I know how this goes. I've watched these guys over the years. And the other problem, of course, I should say, is one of the reasons why this debate never seems to go away, or this uh, view that if you're not living a particular way, you're not saved, many times is down to the fact that Some of these holiness preachers especially have never really tasted sin. Some of these guys got saved when they were very young, didn't really go through the world system like the rest of us did, didn't really experience life like the rest of us have, haven't really been in the real world like the rest of us have, and therefore they can't relate. They don't have the empathy which is necessary. Of course, at the same time, I know there are some who have come from that background, living holy lives and are able to point uh at people and say you're wicked what you were doing i used to do i no longer do it and if i could kick it so can you so can you and that's also worth saying as well but matthew 7 matthew 12 24 25 strictly speaking is aimed at those that were never saved to begin with if you are born again you will slip you will slide you will fail like we all do Uh, But these passages, as far as I can uh, understand them to be, are in reference to those that were never saved to begin with. And on that statement, may I wish you every blessing, every happiness, and may God bless you all as we start a new day, a new week, a new month, and a new year. And I'll speak to you all soon. God bless you all, and Maranatha.